You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Like I said, we have one more show here before we get back to our original script of what we do on a game week. Uh, Joining us here for some more draft coverage, part of Bleacher Report, part of the Draft Network, and part of the great crew of Stick to Football, all my Ohio State fans. If you guys are going to the game this weekend, get in touch with Matt Miller, get in touch with Connor Rogers. They've got an insane trailer coming, bars, TVs, couches, grills, smokers. You guys got to check it out. It's going to be pretty amazing. They've been doing a few of these shows so far this year. But this one, by all means, and especially the fact that it is Ohio State, it's Michigan, you got to check it out. And, of course, I'm going to play a little Springsteen on my buddy Connor Rogers, the fellow Jersey boy, comes on. Connor, my man, what is going on? Oh, you know, a lot of things, Jeff, but I uh, appreciate you having me back on again, you know, especially for Ohio State-Michigan week and everything going on with the draft. I know it's been a, you know, not a bad year for the Browns, but it's still always fun to talk draft when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. Well, actually, that's where I want to start, though, because, Connor, when we you were first last on, we actually sit down, we did the pregame show for the Thursday night Jets-Browns game, and this yeah. was pre-Baker. This was pre-Nick Chubb. And obviously, you know, there were some highlights early. The coaching change, everybody was wondering where this was all headed. But the last two weeks, even with the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Browns team was able to put up over 20 points, and look, anybody who says, hey, we lost by two touchdowns to Kansas City Chiefs, that's pretty much just been the norm this year, so that's not terrible. The one nobody really saw coming was winning, going away before the bye week against the Atlanta Falcons. I think one thing we've seen a little bit, you know, we can talk a little about the offense, but defensively what we've seen is we saw it with Mike Evans, we saw it with Julio Jones, and Greg Williams is kind of saying, you know what, let the big guys eat. Just don't let them, let them, don't let them score. Whatever else, let's worry about everybody else. These guys are going to get theirs, and it's been kind of working. But, you know, Baker, the last two weeks, and now of all things, Freddie Kitchens, there were guys, look, we were screwing up his name. We were calling him Todd. We weren't even sure who he was. But now all of a sudden, here he is, and he's done some really nice things, and he's making the players feel a part of it, getting their feedback, and it's such a great coaching tool because when your players feel involved, that's when you can sneak in, Connor, and say, hey, I need a little something extra from you here. You know how I've been cool about this? Can you do this? But give me some impressions over the last couple of weeks and maybe just Baker in general. Oh, well, I think it's nice that this is really officially Baker Mayfield's team. And it's sad that it took, you know, obviously an awful first half in that Jets game and injury to Tyrod Taylor to get to this point. And even when he took over, I don't know if it was friction with Hugh Jackson or just the two sides being apart, which it seems like everyone has that problem with Hugh Jackson. So, when it comes down to it, I've been really impressed with Baker, his decision-making. I think he's a guy where you're seeing the special placement throws. And I think most importantly, too, is that this is a Nick Chubb offense where he's a true lead back. Jeff, this is probably the most healthy we've seen him since pre-injury. It seems like it took a while to get back to this form. But when it comes down to it, this is a guy running with power and running with burst to be a big playability kind of back. I mean, the long runs have been really impressive this year. We knew this was an offensive line that could set up that kind of blocking. But when you see the explos- the explosion of Nick Chubb, it changes what this offense can do. And you, you make a good point that while they've definitely lost some games over these weeks, they are scoring points. And I think that's the steps you want to see from this Cleveland Browns team before they even make over this coaching staff in the offseason. And that's part of it, though. And, you know, because normally, you know, being draft guys, at this point you're like, you know what, whatever. Just, just lose, get the highest pick. But with all the youth that's already in the building, I want these guys walking out of here in January 
saying, you want to know what, guys? It's been said here before. 19. It's the year. And I want anybody they draft or anybody they sign free agent, any trade they make, for those guys to walk in the door and, you know, and understand the BS is over. You know, we're here to win. And when you look at a guy like Baker and a superstar like Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Denzel Ward, and Nick Chubb, and I still say his most impressive run to this point this season was in Tampa Bay. He went about nine yards, uh, got hit, kickstand, got up, got another six yards, split two defenders, picked up another two yards after that. He's had so many 12 to 13 yard runs that were just an inch away from going to the house. But the 92 and just what he did, and the best part about that was you take out the 92-yard touchdown run, he still put up almost 100, uh, 120 total yards yep. of offense. So a special guy, and they actually he's already got the nickname of old school. Like some people in the building, they kind of got to like hold him back a little bit. Like, look, Nick, it ain't game day. It's just Wednesday practice. All right, we love that you're this committed, but uh, you know, be ready for 20 to five, 20 to 25 touches on Sunday. You ain't got to leave it all out on the field on a Wednesday practice. But this is the mentality, but this is also what happens when you draft a guy like Denzel Ward from uh, Ohio State. You draft Baker from Oklahoma. You draft Nick Chubb from Georgia. They come from these schools where, look, you got competition. So if you don't go hard every day, there's another five-star guy behind you waiting to get your shot. So it's been pleasant to see that the way this has all come together. Guys, we are going to shift to some draft talk here because, you know, this is a majority of what Kyle does and along with covering college football on a whole. Kyle, as we get to it here, um, some of the biggest concerns I have right now with this team is the left tackle. Look, Greg Robinson, the last two weeks, has played better than Desmond Harrison, but in no way is playing better than Desmond Harrison indictment on, he's been good. So, uh, you know, he's kind of held his own, and the strangest thing is Greg Robinson kind of had a reputation as a good run blocker. He's actually been weaker as a run blocker than he has been as a pass blocker. Um, where they're going to fall, it could be anywhere 8-14. to 14. Obviously, uh, Jonah Williams... Uh, out of Arizona. And one of the reasons, guys, why I bring up the left tackle like I do and you guys are like, oh, well, we can get by. Have you guys seen guys like Khalil Mack? You need somebody to at least try to slow these guys down. And this is where we're talking about it. So give me a little thoughts here on Jonah Williams. And is there any other left tackle that early? Or is it, again, another weird year? And I know we're kind of trending to this the way the offenses are in college football. Well, Williams looks to be the guy that's the lock to go in the top ten. There are people in the NFL, there will be a lot of teams that prefer him on the inside, whether it is at his guard or a center. I think he really has the perfect makeup to be a high-level center, but I think he could be a very solid tackle at the next level, and I think his versatility will place him in the top ten. This is a guy, when he stepped onto the campus at Alabama, started at right tackle right away so and has switched over to the left side very successfully. He's a much better pass protector than run blocker. I mean, I would even consider him a high-level pass protector, and he's a solid run blocker, but far from spectacular. So it sounds like he's going to go in the top 10, which puts him in fringe range for the Browns, who, you know, oddly enough, might not be picking in the top 10. So if they miss on him, it does get really interesting. Just going through my top 50, I do have some other offensive tackles in the conversation. A guy I really really like and think he can climb. I have him at 25 right now, but out of West Virginia, Yadni could just, I mean, he's someone where I, I think, once again, can be a high-level guard, but I think he can be also a very good tackle. He's a really technically sound pass protector. I love his core strength. I think when you look at Will Greer and you watch him in the pocket and you see him push the football down the field, watch the left tackle a couple of times and look at how flawless the pass protection can be. He's also a guy that they get out in front and screens in that offense and can really get his, you know, get himself to the second level and open things up. So 
he's someone where, yeah, he's sitting at 25 for me right now. Would I be shocked if he finishes in the top 20 and playing offensive tackle, a position where there's a shortage in the NFL? He can go much higher than that. So if the Browns are picking 12, 13, 14, 15, I wouldn't really rule him out there. There's other names at tackle, but once again, a lot of these guys also can convert better to guard. When you look at Dalton Risner at Kansas State, he started at center, was a freshman All-American at center, has moved to right tackle, has been a very, very solid right tackle for them. I'm curious to see where teams like him at the next level. I do think he's one of the guys, along with David Edwards from Wisconsin, that will be moved to guard. Someone that won't be, Andre Dillard, the tackle from Washington yep. State, he is a, a, a true left tackle, really great feet, a really nice athlete. He, his anchor has gotten a lot better this year where he's been a shutdown pass protector as Garden Minshew just throws for five to seven touchdowns every single week. <laughs> so you look at Dillard, he's another guy. I have him at 48 right now. I think he can climb into the top 40 of this draft. So. Jeff, there real there are offensive linemen in this draft. Will there be misses? Of course, but there are names here that have worked their way to be legitimate fringe first round prospects and potential impact starters next year. And, and that's part of the thing, though. I mean, you know, you may be looking at a draft where you're not going to get five quarterbacks to go in the first round. You're also looking at the fact that it wasn't a great left tackle group last year. So regardless, there's teams that are going to need the position, and if they find a guy that they're okay with. You might just have to shut up and take them because, look, I mean, you're just not picking up left tackles off the streets. It doesn't work that way, and obviously that's why it's such important, an important position of emphasis. And I know uh, Kajust obviously is somebody that is he's big over at Draft Network because I know Joe Moreno brought him up. I know Kyle lo- Kyle Krabs loves him well, so I know he's a big guy over there that you guys are starting to fall in love with, even if maybe he got ejected for a little hand slap. Uh, awful, that was, that awful was, That was worse. I, I've whacked my kids on a butt harder than that, for God's sakes. I mean, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. They barely grazed him, and they tossed him. It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. We're going to stick on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think, and, you know, Browns fans kind of overinflated Jarvis Landry, and just because he's getting paid $14 million a year doesn't put him in the echelon of the upper elite at the position. He's a nice part and there's been games, uh, Tampa Bay is one I'll, I'll definitely take away. I believe it was 10 for 95 and a touchdown. That's good Jarvis Landry. But then when you you know, you know beat the Falcons, and I think it was like 2 for, I think it was 31. Or I, I'm sorry, it was 2 for 26. That's bad Jarvis Landry. You need, you need an X here. They need a big guy who can draw two defenders on the outside to open up the middle for all these guys that they got who can crisscross, run the crossers. They've got a lot of guys who can do that. Give me some thoughts here, and you know this is probably not going to be something to be addressed in the first round. I don't know if any receiver is going to go anywhere in the you know seven to fourteen range. I think with DK Metcalf, that ship may have sailed. But maybe talk to some of these guys who can maybe come in here and play an X and command more than one defender on a play, Kyle. I mean, Connor. I mean, I really like Kelvin Harmon at NC State. Jersey boy. It's two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's from Jersey. He's already got over 1,000 yards this year. So the production has been at an extremely high level. He had 1,000 yards last year as a sophomore. He's averaged over 14 yards a catch both years. And in his freshman year, he averaged over 17 yards a catch. So this can be your big play guy. He can stretch the field, but he can also be a possession guy. So I think he's the best receiver in this class. I think if Metcalf didn't get hurt, you'd have him right in that conversation. And my first top 50 had Harmon 18th, Metcalf 20th. So – those guys look to be the cream of the crop here for me, but 
There are other players in this receiver class that I really like. I mean, A.J. Brown and Nikhil Harry, a lot of it is going to depend on how they run. I do think they're guys with serious separation questions. But if you guys, if you like players with size that can work the middle of the field and that can make something happen after the catch, both of these guys have shown that. They're just not true number one wide receivers in my eyes and should not be first-round kind of players. You know, another guy that it seems like he's been around forever, but Debo Samuel, he looks healthy again. And you want somebody that can run the slant over the middle of the field with a fearless kind of mindset and turn up field and go and be a great special teams player. Debo has been awesome on return teams, both ends, whether it is kick and punk coverage, whether it is as a return man. So the wide receiver class is really interesting because we have all these guys that are huge question marks of speed guys. Like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has had a really nice senior year. He almost boxes people out in the red zone like a basketball player, but he's, you know, he has double-digit touchdowns. He's a little stiff in my eyes. So, Jeff, a lot of these guys, Colin Johnson, another big target out of Texas, Akeem Butler out of Iowa State, these are all really, really big targets that you know probably project more as red zone threats and day-two players. When you look at it, you know, Demarcus Lodge from Ole Miss is another guy that might have a rise here. He just needs to be more consistent. But athletically, his flashes of brilliance are absolutely spectacular. So this receiver class has a lot of names. It's just a matter of who's going to separate themselves from the pack now throughout the draft process, which includes interviews, background off work ethic, how they tested the combine. And to me, the most consistent one of the bunch has always been Kelvin Harmon. And well, you know, and that's one. And and you know, the, the talks are good that he he should test well, and for him to maybe catapult himself to the first wide receiver taken, isn't far off the charts. But the other thing is, is with all the other weapons Cleveland has, it's okay that if they come in as a rookie and they don't put up monstrous numbers away, they don't have to. They just be able to have to be able to provide a presence where if it's going to be one on one, the majority of the time they're going to win. That's just good enough because just being able to do that when they're called upon, it's going to make everything easier for the Jarvis Landry's, the Duke Johnson's, the David Najoku's, and you know maybe even Callaway who's starting to play a little bit better here as we're moving on down you know the season. I think the game's starting to slow down a little bit for him. Guys, this is Locked On Browns here. We're doing uh, one last little bit of draft talk here before we get back to our normal game week routine. Uh, we'll get into the. Uh, you know, we're going to get back into the crossover, obviously, with James Rapian uh, for Locked On Bengals. We'll get into our normal, you know, pregame tailgate, all that good stuff. We'll get you the same amount of shows this week. I don't care if it's Thanksgiving or not, guys. You're still going to get your content. That's just the way it works, um, guys. Uh, Everybody asks for betting advice, and the one thing I will always tell you guys first and foremost is who you're betting with is almost who as important as who you are betting on. That's why I always will re- recommend to you mybookie.com. They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is simple, clean, and easy to use. Uh, I would only recommend a service that's been good to me in the past. Guys, like I tell you, I don't make a lot of bets. But one day I do bet, I bet Thanksgiving. I will bet all three games on Thanksgiving. Uh, so we'll get you those picks. Actually, we're going to record Wednesday night with uh, Brent Soboleski from Bleacher Report as well. So I'm going to get you those picks that night. But I, I do like to bet Thanksgiving. Look, when you're dealing with relatives and, and you know, da-da-da-da-da, and they're, you, know, you can't mute conversations political like you do on Twitter. So it's nice to have a little action on the game so you can watch a little more intently. Uh, they uh, MyBookie.com has in-game live betting, over-under fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Uh, MyBookie.com is slammed with uh, new members. So here's what you do, guys. If you register with them after 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, they will give you a free $25 into your account just for doing that. This goes along with the MyBookie.com always scenario you get, guys. When you create your new account, they will match it 100%. 
So you put $100 down, they put $100 into your account, do it after 7 p.m. Eastern, and there you go. You got $225 to play with. I mean, you bet well that should cover you for the rest of the season. Um, use the promo code for this one, guys. Capital L locked, capital O on 25. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Connor, I want to switch it over a little bit here to the other side of the ball. Um, look, the Cleveland Browns defense, uh, I think it, it slowly became their calling card. Now we've got Baker Mayfield in the fold. Now we got Nick Chubb. And I think he got a little solid balance here. But for the defense, they're just a piece or two away from... And I was almost getting excited too early in the year and saying, man, this defensive line is close to almost to the point where there's T-shirts and nicknames. But this interior defensive line class is a solid, solid group. And I think if Cleveland can get one more, that is probably their biggest weakness. They don't have much after Larry Ogunjobi. It's a bunch of rotational guys. Um, talk here, I mean, this could be another first-round target if left tackle is not available for him there. But there are a lot of guys, and these guys can, not only can they you know play the run, but these guys can also create havoc on quarterbacks, too. Oh, I mean, they really can. And, and they're not going to be in the Ed Oliver, Quinn, and Williams conversation because, good news, Browns fans, you're not bad enough to get those guys. <laughs> exactly. Those guys probably find their way into the top five, six, or seven picks. So you're looking at interior guys. Jeffrey Simmons, he's going to have some baggage out of Mississippi State. But, I, I mean, talent-wise, he's right up in the conversation of being a top 15 pick. So I think Jeffrey Simmons, it's going to be interesting to see how teams evaluate Raekwon Davis. He was the guy going into this year, and now Quentin Williams has really taken that spotlight away from him at Alabama. So the question is, will he still be a top 15 pick? And it's going to be you know, an interesting process for him. And then you have guys like Rishon Gary where, listen, he plays on the edge at Alabama. I think he could be a great interior defensive lineman. So Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame, insane production. It's all really come together. When you look at that Notre Dame team, and I got to see them in person this weekend uh, at Yankee Stadium against Syracuse, really well-coached unit. And when you look at Tillery, a guy that's now into his senior year, he just understands his responsibilities. And when he's given the opportunities to attack, he really can rush the passer, whether it is as a three-tech or you know a shade nose. Whatever they ask him to do, he's been very successful at it. So if the Browns want to go first round, and even if they don't, you get into the Draymond Jones conversation of maybe early second round if they can find a way to pick there. Christian Wilkins from Clemson, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. There's a lot of guys to go through here. I mean, Gerald Willis from Miami, Derek Brown from Auburn. These are all guys that can start from day one and be impact players. And if you go to the Browns, you might just have to be a rotational piece, which is great. So if you need D-line help, this is the class for you. I agree. And and that's the thing. And, and Draymond Jones, and here's another thing. You know, Browns fans were so upset. Oh, they never draft from Ohio State. They never draft from Ohio State. Well, you got Denzel Ward. You might get a chance here at a back-to-back one and a guy like Draymond Jones. And the thing with Draymond Jones is he moves. I mean, this guy, very, very athletic for his size. Simmons that you brought up, guys, if you don't know about Jeffrey Simmons, do a little homework. Uh, but this is a guy that John Dorsey wouldn't necessarily back away from. He will gamble. You know, he will gamble on a guy. And, and, there, and like Connor said, there is some baggage there. But I wouldn't be surprised, and especially if there's some sort of fall with Jeffrey Simmons because of the fact there is baggage. You guys know John Dorsey will never back away from a challenge like that. If it's his mistake alone, it he you know he won't 
maybe rely if it's a Josh Gordon or a Corey Coleman. Somebody else's mistake that wasn't his name on it, not so much. But he'll put his name on and he'll own his own mistakes. So Jeffrey Simmons could be an interesting guy to watch in that. Um, One thing we've heard a, a little bit now, and we heard maybe around the trade deadline with the Browns, Connor, is they would like to get a little bit more athletic at the position. Joe Schobert, I mean, somewhat athletic, but not, but I mean, a just fantastic for this defense. <clears throat> and I say it all the time. If you were going to draft players from this defense on the Browns, he'd probably go sixth, five, fifth, sixth, seventh. But he's the linchpin of this defense. He's established himself as their middle linebacker. But I think they'd like to get a little bit more athletic at the position so they can have somebody chase down, you know, whether it's going to be a James Conner, whether it's going to be a Joe Mixon, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Baltimore, you know, the, whether, you know, I mean, you, uh, Lamar Jackson, somebody that's going to have to be dealt with, all the tight ends in this division. Who, who's striking your eyes? A guy that maybe can be a coverage guy, can chase down some of these guys, because I think in the end of the day, Gennard Avery's going to end up in, in that Elvis Doomerville role where he's going to play D-end in nickel and dime situations and maybe his linebacker days, because he doesn't cover very well, are going to become a thing of the past for him. I mean, there's three linebackers staring you right at the face that I all have sitting in the top 15 right here. I mean, it starts with Devin White out of LSU, a guy that used to play running back and is now a 240-pound speed linebacker at LSU, 14th overall. You have Devin Bush from Michigan. Yeah, he's five foot ten. It doesn't matter. The guy makes plays all over the place. And 16th overall, right outside that top 15, Mac Wilson at Alabama, another great athlete that has started there and been an impact player. So. If you want to go that route and get these guys that can run with running backs and run with the quarterbacks of the world that have the elite speed like Lamar Jackson, those three guys, I think, can do it. Now, if you want to get creative here, Jeff, I have no problem in round two. You take a guy like Taylor Rapp that's played safety for Washington and use him how the Chargers used Derwin James, how the Jets used Jamal Adams. Let Rapp live in the box, run and chase and really be this chess piece kind of weapon in the front seven where he's going to play at 220 pounds, and he's going to run with anyone, and he's a physical, physical presence that can surprisingly work through all of that traffic up front. So they got options. When you look at the – what I want to say to the Browns fans is you look at your needs in this trap, a lot of them are correctable going into it, and you should feel really good about that. Yeah, and and that's one even thing we suggested. I mean, even with Jabril Peppers and Derek Kindred – we understand that these guys are not deep cover two safeties, and they're not really even deep safeties. So you might as well try them in that role if you're looking for the athleticism to whether or not you can say, all right, we need more, or these guys aren't capable of it, or they're just fine in their role. Because I think Peppers and Kindred, I don't see how they're going to both continuously coexist. Because it's not fair that they essentially get their reps split 50-50, because both of them are capable for a bigger workload, but you just have two guys who are very similar in what they do. But you, if you were to bring in a guy like Rep, I mean, it just allows you to basically change your looks. And you know, when you got a quarterback looking across and saying, "Well, all right, these all there's three guys I see who can all do the same thing," it's going to create a lot of problems. And they shouldn't be worried about linebacker looks and safety looks. When you got Miles Garrett coming for your head, but if you can do that and you give that athleticism scare on defense, it's just going to make for a diff- more difficult time for any quarterback to get a read of what the defense is going to do at the line of scrimmage. So I'm all for it, man. The more athleticism, the better, because for the most part, this defense is athletic as it gets. Guys, locked on Browns here with uh, Bleacher Report. Stick to football. The Draft Network's Connor Rogers. Like I told you guys earlier, 
Anybody headed out to the Ohio State game this weekend, check out Connor Rogers. Check out Matt Miller. What they got going on. There's going to be a big old trailer, big old tailgate party. At least stop by, get some pictures taken. I know they're going to do a live show while they're there. Guys, go ahead, check that out. Also, to all my Cavalier fans, Chris Manning, Locked On Cavs. He's, tr- he's doing the best he can. Guys, if anybody can sympathize with what Chris Manning is going through right now, covering the Cavalier team, it's me. It's exactly where I was a year ago with this Browns franchise. So, guys, give him some love. Go ahead and download the show, Locked On Cavaliers with Chris Manning. Now, Kyle, as we get here closer to the finish line, um, cornerback class. Uh, look, hit a home run with Denzel Ward. Um, you know, a little bit undersized, a little bit underweight, but Denzel Ward has shown everything you would want to this point as a rookie cornerback. You know, obviously, you know, a little bit of injury here and there, gotten dinged up a little bit. It's going to happen. Um, but I do wear it. Look, Terrence Mitchell and my and my Browns listeners, guys, look, I love Terrence Mitchell, but we're basing this off of three and a half games on Terrence Mitchell. What we saw in three and a half games was fantastic. Yes. I mean, when you get turnovers created by your number two cornerback, that is a godsend. It truly is. But you worry about you know longevity. And look, there's nothing wrong with being three, four deep at the cornerback position. And when you have 11 draft picks and you have draft capital, you continue to take a strong positional group and make it even stronger. Um, you know, Ky- you know, uh, Connor, I know a lot of people, you know, Greedy Williams seems to be a popular name. Maybe it gives you a little bit of that Xavier Rhodes vibe. But talk here a little about some of the corners in this class because I, I would love to add just another one here for a future running mate with Denzel Ward. Well, yeah, I think you look at Greedy. Everyone knows him as the guy out in front. I think the gap between him and Byron Murphy out of Washington is mm-hmm. a lot closer than people realize. Murphy's, you know, he's not going to pass the eye test like Greedy does. Greedy is built like Richard Sherman, where Murphy, 5'11", very wiry, scrappy, but he mirrors receivers better than Greedy, I think, right now. And, and you look at these, and, in, in and look group. at Washington's history with DBs right now. I mean, they're they're running neck and neck over the last couple of years with Ohio oh, State. It's all the time, and they got four defensive backs that could get drafted this year. That's how good that secondary is. Trayvon Mullen is going to rise from Clemson. He's Lamar Jackson's cousin. You know, six foot two, great long speed. I, I think he's someone that will go in the first round. So when you look at Mullen, it's going to be a very interesting process for him. One where I do think. His name is going to get a lot hotter throughout the process. DeAndre Baker out of Georgia, someone still in that first-round range. And then you get into some of the really Tier 2 guys, I would like to call them. Julian Love out of Notre Dame, another guy. I got to see him in person last weekend. Very sticky in coverage. I think he projects perfectly as a slot corner, which is a base defense kind of position now in the NFL for a lot of different schemes. So there's talent in this corner class once again and when it comes down to it they're all going to go really early because teams need these cover corners to stop the past happy nfl and that's what i'm trying to tell these browns fans that's part of the reason why you need to get it deeper at the cornerback position you want to be in a position where by third quarter you're not in base defense anymore you're in nickel and dime and you want that third and fourth corner on the field because you know, you're going to be up 10, you're going to be up two touchdowns, and you got to do everything you can because they're going to be throwing, and they're going to be throwing a lot at you. Um, and, you know, love at Notre Dame, obviously, you know, a, a, another great name. And because, you know, Bobby Calhoun, you know, I believe he's up for a contract. Uh, Demarius Randall has cemented himself as a free safety position. They used him some this year at cornerback, but I think they are truly happy and are going to extend him as their free safety. So you're going to need one more. Look, TJ Carey played fantastic against the Atlanta Falcons, probably played the game of his life. But that has not been his calling card to this point, guys. Uh, Connor Rogers here. Connor, uh, so just give me um, 
Give me a little bit of the thoughts here on Ohio State, Michigan, and then we'll, you know, I got one more here about the regular, you know, uh, rest of the regular NFL season here, but some thoughts here about going into this game Saturday. And look, you know, normally I'll argue rivalries in college football, but uh, FSU, UF, we're not arguing any of that right now. So uh, give me some thoughts here, Ohio State, Michigan, going into the weekend. I mean, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. For Stick the Football and Bleacher Report, we're going to be posted up in the gray lot. Anyone looking for us, that's the RV lot. I believe they call it the gray lot. We're going to have a giant camper there with two bars, two bathrooms, three TVs. I mean, you name it, cornhole, beer pong, whatever you, whatever floats your boat out there. I mean, it's going to be a wild time. And when you look at this game, I do think Ohio State, I know they've been struggling in recent weeks, but and Michigan is really hot right now. They have an amazing trio of wide receivers and a quarterback playing at a high level that for an Ohio State secondary that's struggling, that's going to give them some problems. But this is Ohio State-Michigan. I think this is going to be an absolutely great football game. I think whatever the over is, let's smash it all day because you have Haskins on the other side of the things that can score points of his own for Ohio State. I believe he had six touchdowns last yep. weekend against Maryland. Goes to show you, and three were on the ground, three were through the air. So this is a versatile kind of guy that has really impressed me playing in the pocket this year. It's going to be a great atmosphere, Jeff, and I'm so glad that Bleacher Report gets to get out there. This is, I believe, now our, and my personally, my fifth game this year, and I'll have two, at least one or two more left after this. So it's been a hell of a college football season. Yeah, well, I mean, Florida State Miami this year was a little bit of a snoozer for you. Sorry for that one, Connor. Uh, normally, those... Miami though, I always find my fun down there. Yeah, it's a little, little difficult. I mean, you'd have to be, you know, Ray Charles to not find yourself a good time while you're down in South Beach. Um, now, uh, I'll just give you this one here. Um, NFL wise, it, it, it's it's been it's been fun because the upper echelon of the NFL right now is fun as hell. So I'll tell you what, I don't want Super Bowl. Give me AFC Championship game. Give me NFC Championship game. Man, I, I think we might see a preview of the Super Bowl here, uh, and not to date ourselves, but when you look at the and Monday I'm normally never matchup. excited for Monday night, but man, I, I can't lie, Same. I'm a little bit geeked up for tonight. Listen, listen, and when you look at this, I would love to see the Chiefs and the Pats in the AFC Championship game because I think it would really test this Patriots defense that has had its highs and lows this year. And same for the Chiefs on their defensive side of the ball where it's it's really the new era, Pat Mahomes coming in and probably being the face of the AFC for at least the next decade. And Tom Brady, who at some point has to hang it up, I don't know when that's going to be. The NFC, it, it's tailor-made. Is anyone going to say it, it shouldn't be the Saints and Rams? I mean, I, I personally think they're the two best teams in football. That would be our Super Bowl if it was a wide-open league with no conferences. So it, it's actually it's a great NFL season. There's been a lot of parity in it, and I think there are some powerhouse teams, more importantly powerhouse offenses, which is always fun. So I, those, those are my final four. I think it's really a no-brainer at this point. I mean, honestly, they should just scrap the entire playoff system and just do like a round robin between those four teams. And, you know, everybody plays two to three games. Whoever comes out with the, the two teams that come out with the best records, they go to the Super Bowl because the, they have been the most fun product to watch this year. I mean, obviously, we've gotten to see, you know, Lamar Jackson come out of the scene and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and, you know, some you know quarterbacks that hopefully are going to bring more to the table for the franchise as the years go on. But those four franchises and what they're doing, and even the one with you know Kamara, the touchdown to Alvin Kamara yesterday, and like, well, you know, what are they doing? Stop, stop them, stop them! You're getting paid to stop them. Yeah, if you, if you don't like it, stop it. Do exactly. I mean, Very and that's, simple. 
And you know, and the other thing the Saints are saying is, well, you know, Alvin didn't get his this week, so we wanted to make sure he got his too. So I mean, it's oh, yeah. just fun, and you know, and keep in mind, you know, the Saints are still going to find some way to work Brandon Marshall in here into the mix. And I'll tell you what, Brandon Marshall is going to find a way to contribute to that team too. It's just been Jeff. I think I could contribute in that offense. I tell you what, though, I mean, you know, Connor, I mean, maybe you should call the Raiders because, you know, I saw what their wide receiver core is going to be for Sunday. So uh, they could probably use, normally I'd volunteer my services, but, uh, you know, every limb on my body is pretty much toast at this point at 44 years old. A little bit better maybe for you, Connor, a little bit younger. Uh, but, guys, Connor Rogers has been kind enough to join us here tonight. Guys, uh, if you don't follow the work, you know, read the work over at Draft Network, Bleacher Report, uh, the Stick to a Football podcast. Uh, they do two to three shows a week. They mix things out. Connor got to sit down with an idol of his, an idol of mine, and a guy like Darrell Revis. Fantastic interview. Uh, you know, Darrell, you know, gave some great insight on a guy like Le'Veon Bell. Uh, if anybody knows about money, as far as being an NFL player, it is certainly Darrell Revis. So if you haven't seen that yet, you heard that yet, go ahead and check that out. All my high State fans, if you're going out this weekend, like Connor said, go on out to the gray lot. Trust me, you ain't going to miss it. It's probably going to be one of the better parties out there. And knowing Matt who love Matt Miller, who loves a good party, and Connor, obviously, you know, a, a, a good, solid guy who just enjoys a good time. It's going to be a great time, guys. At least stop by, you know, say hello, get some pictures taken or whatever, listen to what the guys got to say. They're going to bring some great stuff and uh, sh- sh- should truly be a good time. Uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, always a follow back. You guys are fantastic with everything you do. Uh, I get great show ideas from you guys. I get a lot of great feedback from you guys. I appreciate it for that. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, um, as far as everything else, guys, um, again, this month, this show is just literally, we are up 10% after we were October, which was just a phenomenal month. And it continues to amaze me how much you guys are enjoying this. And I continue to tell you, I'm going to work as hard as much as you guys put into the show as listeners and subscribers. I'm going to continue to put that in to the effort I give to bring you guys great content, great shows. And I appreciate all that you have done for me. Until we talk to next time, guys, let's go Browns, LGB on the LOB.